good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star for the second week in our Whatever It Takes series. In fact, last week, if you were here, I said it may be the most important pivotal series we've done in the history of North Star. And so I'm so glad you're here, here in Compass, full house here in Compass, packed house in the chapel right now. And so many of you overflowing in the theater and all of you watching online. We're so glad for all of you in the room. Would y'all welcome all of our friends watching in all our other venues this morning? Man, so good. So we got a great start last week talking about Mac carriers. And so today we're going to continue this whatever it takes theme. So I want you to take your Bibles, turn if you would to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 19 is where we're going to camp out today. Luke chapter 19. If you've got your Bible, uh, great way to follow along, of course. If you've got the North Star app, North Star Church Georgia in the app store, it has everything in there for us. Or if you just want to take notes as we go today, that is a great way to follow along as well. Um, so last week, so all of our small groups here at North Star are doing the sermons. So we've got like 1,100 people in small groups and everybody's doing the message from Sunday morning in their small group. And so every Monday, I have a scouts, coaches, Bible study. So these are pro baseball scouts, college baseball coaches. We meet every Monday morning, 9 a.m. And literally guys from all, from California, the guys getting up at 6 a.m. in California to get online. Uh, head coach at Sacramento State's probably gonna be watching this morning. Um, two guys here locally. It's, it's sort of crazy. We got high school guys, all of it in there. And so I was saying, describe a whatever it takes player. What is a whatever it takes person. And the word that came out was gritty, right? Whatever it takes people are gritty. And then one of our coaches on there and said, they're like Lions fans, right? They just wouldn't quit. They just kept showing up at the stadium. They just kept coming every Sunday till it finally broke through. And I was like, hey, that's a pretty good, pretty good comp there because whatever it takes people are people that are determined and you can't stop them. And it really doesn't matter the obstacle in front of them. They're going to do whatever it takes to get there. They're focused, they're hungry, and they're willing to just run through a wall to get where they need to go. Last week, it was four guys carrying their friend. This week, it's a guy trying to get to Jesus for himself. It's a great story. Luke Chapter 19, we're gonna start reading in verse one. So I'm gonna let you sit. If you're normally here at North Shore, normally we stand. This week, I wanna unpack this story and we'll, we'll stand at the end of it. Here we go. Luke chapter 19, verse one. Jesus entered Jericho. Time out real quick. Uh, Old Testament, you read about Jericho, you read about all the walls falling down. Jericho is 15 miles from Jerusalem. Jesus is on his final march to the cross. Going through Jericho, most maps wouldn't have sent you that way. But Jesus wasn't coming to go through the town. Jesus had an appointment nobody knew about. But we're about to read about it here in a second. So this town was um, known for being very wealthy, it was, a, it was a major center 
of commerce during that time, Jericho was. And it was also known for how it smelled. It smelled really good. There was like these balsam groves. And they said when you would get ready to enter Jericho, there would be a, a wonderful smell that would come across. How many of y'all have a middle schooler? Raise your hand. It's opposite of what you smell, all right? So it's a really good smell. Y'all got, got where I'm going. All right, here we go. Verse two. And there in that town was a man named Zacchaeus. So back during that time when you would name a child, the meaning meant everything to who that child would become. It's interesting because the name Zacchaeus means pure and innocent. And that wasn't who Zacchaeus was. He was not living up to the name his family gave him. And then it tells us in the story, he was the chief tax collector in the region. He wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief. He was the guy. He was the dude, right? He was in charge of all the other tax collectors. So everybody who was making money off people, he was making money off the guys who made money off people, all right? So let's do a little Bible quiz here at the top, all right? Tax collectors, good guy, bad guy. Which one? Bad guy. Zacchaeus is not a good guy. <clears throat> in fact, we, we see there in the next verse, it said he had become very rich. Not rich, very rich. Zacchaeus got rich on the backs of people, good people. So here's how it would work. If the Roman law was a 20% tax, a tax collector could charge you 20% and then put their fee on top of the fee that you were paying Rome. And that could fee could be whatever they determined it to be. And basically, Zacchaeus did that and all the people who did that, he made money from them. So when you ran into Zacchaeus in town, right, it wasn't a good conversation. You didn't like Zacchaeus. He wasn't a good guy and he made his wealth in a very ill way. So we pick up verse three. Zacchaeus hears Jesus is coming through and the Bible says this, Luke, Luke the physician, Luke's a doctor, right? Luke records it this way. He tried to get a good look at Jesus, but he was too what? To see over the crowd. I am sure Zacchaeus would prefer this not to be in the Bible. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you really got to write that. But evidently his stature was of the sort Luke noted there was no way to see him. I remember one time in that scouts coach's Bible study on Monday morning, I'm like, so if you went to look at Zacchaeus, what would be a scouts write-up on Zacchaeus? And I remember one of the scouts wrote scrappy, all right? And so that's probably a good comp for Zacchaeus. He's a scrappy guy who's made his living not in a good way. But I'll tell you this about Zacchaeus. He was tenacious. Because his whole life, he had been against the odds. And you're going to see it play out here in a second. So he couldn't see because he was too what? So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree. These fig trees, these sycamore fig trees are more like an oak tree. And they were about 50 feet tall. And so Zacchaeus scurries up the tree so he can get a good look at Jesus this tree was beside the road because Jesus was going to pass that way. There was only a couple major thoroughfares through town. So he figured Jesus is coming right by there and he wanted to get a look at him. 
Here's what we don't know. We don't know why. I don't know if Matthew had worked for him at one point. Matthew, the, the gospel writer, the, the disciple, had been a tax collector. I don't know if he heard B- blind Barmaeus, the beggar outside town, had been healed. We don't know, but we know this. The crowd was massive. He couldn't get there, so he pulls up his robe. Men don't run during that time, and men certainly don't climb, but he's willing to do whatever it takes to get to see this man named Jesus that was coming by. And when Jesus came by, he, Jesus, looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your house today. Time out, real quick in the story. Zacchaeus came to see Jesus, but Jesus came to find Zacchaeus. It's the only reason he came through town. He had a divine appointment to meet this man named Zacchaeus. All right, help me out real quick. Zacchaeus, good guy, bad guy. Remember that. Verse seven. Zacchaeus quickly calmed down, took Jesus in his house with great excitement and joy. He must have cleaned before the parade, all right? And so here we go, verse seven. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They're giving Jesus the business about going to Zacchaeus' house. Verse eight, would y'all stand with me in honor of reading God's word together? Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I'll give half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today for he has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those that were father today. May the story be our story. Father, we may have come in all the crowds this morning to see who you are, but God, for some people that walked in these doors today, it's a divine appointment to find out you already know them and you already love them. God, speak to our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. Let's, let's, let's talk about this real quick. So let me say this at the top. Today's a two-parter, like last week, if you are here last week. So when I pray here in a couple minutes, don't go, wow, Mike's early. We're gonna head to 1885 for brunch, all right? And so not quite done yet. So y'all, y'all hang, out, hang on with me for a couple minutes. So we learn a couple things in this story. Number one thing we learned was there was crowding around Jesus. Zacchaeus had everything the world considered successful. He had money, he had clout, he had prestige, he had a Tesla donkey. I mean, he had it all, right? I mean, Zacchaeus had all the stuff, but there was something missing for Zacchaeus. And he came to see Jesus because the stories of Jesus were notorious. He's healing, he's fixing, He's helping. And wherever they would come from, wherever Jesus was, you would hear the stories of lame walking, dead men coming to life. 
Zacchaeus had a reason and he gets to Jesus, but there's crowding around Jesus and he can't get there. But here's what we know about whatever it takes people. We saw it with the Mac carriers last week. They're gritty enough to go, I'm not gonna let a crowd stand in the way of seeing this one I came to see. I'm not gonna be turned away. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get there. So we see number two, climbing to see Jesus. Zacchaeus climbs up to see Jesus. These sycamore trees that would grow they were very popular back then. They were big, tall trees, but they were very, very easy to climb. Zacchaeus had probably climbed them a thousand times as a kid. He just never dreamed as an adult man that he would have to climb. But it was the only way he was gonna see Jesus come by. I don't know if he had any other intention other than to get an eyeball on him. I don't know if he had any other hope. Because here's the deal. Zacchaeus knew everybody hated him. And if you assume, so put yourself in the shoes of Zacchaeus, if you assume everybody hates you, you probably feel like God doesn't like you either. I have a feeling in the heart of Zacchaeus, there was a part of him that had given up on God. Because we know how the religious leaders feel about him. They said he's not only a sinner, he's a notorious sinner. There was something in Zacchaeus that had to see what Jesus was all about. And so he climbs up that tree. I mean, the story's famous. Because he couldn't stand that Jesus might come by. Here's the crazy part, crazy. Zacchaeus didn't make this trip. Zacchaeus' story is very different. Jesus was not coming through Jericho again. This was his last trip through Jericho to Jerusalem to die on the cross. If Zacchaeus hadn't have been motivated like he was, listen, Zacchaeus' whole story would have been very different. Zacchaeus would have died a notorious sinner. That's not the end of his story though. So how many times have we said here at North Star through the years, never put a period where God puts a comma. This was a comma in Zacchaeus' story because when he was there that day, number three, he was changed by Jesus that day. That day, he was changed by Zacchaeus. Can you imagine him crawling up that tree getting up there, leaning over, and he's trying to get a look at Jesus. And Jesus stops and looks him in the eye. And before he could utter the name Jesus, Jesus utters the name Zacchaeus. Can you imagine how, your, how hard your heart would have been racing if the one you came to see saw you? Here's the crazy part of the story. Jesus told us, I came to seek and to save those that are what? Help me out again. I came to seek and to save those that are what? Was Zacchaeus lost? That's why Jesus came. It's the only reason he was in Jericho. And the crazy part is they go to the house and it says Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. 
How many of you would go, how many of y'all would say, I would love to meet Jesus like this? Raise your hand if that's you. If you don't raise your hand in church, I don't know, really know what to do with that, but it was, I would assume that would be all of you. How many of you would go, I would prefer he not come to my house this morning till I clean, all right? And so, how many of you'll feel that way? So I don't know, Zacchaeus must have been ready because Zacchaeus welcomed him to his home and listen to what it says. He stood there and said, I'll give half my wealth to the poor Lord. If I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. All right, here's what we have no record of. Jesus telling Zacchaeus what to do. He never said, Zacchaeus, now that you met me, go give money back to all the people you cheated. You know what happened to Zacchaeus? God worked on Zacchaeus's heart before he ever worked with Zacchaeus's hands. Zacchaeus does all the things right because Jesus changed his life. Can I tell you something today? Some of you wandered into this space because something's missing. There's a piece of your story that's not complete. You know it, it gnaws at you like it did him. You got the stuff, but there's a missing puzzle piece. And you did whatever it took to get here. Found a parking spot, pushed through the crowd, you made your way in. Can I tell you something? Long before you came looking for Jesus, Jesus was looking for you. He knows your story. He knows your failings. But he's the great rewriter of unfinished stories. Maybe today he came to rewrite yours. Would you pray with me? Father, I love this story. Because this is a story of somebody who wouldn't quit till they saw Jesus. But even more than that, it's the story of a Savior who wouldn't quit till he met Zacchaeus. Maybe today there's somebody in the sound of my voice in one of our venues this morning that goes, Mike, that's me. My heart is about to come out of my chest because I came looking for Jesus and something missing, but I truly believe today he was looking for me. Boy, if that's you here today, can I lead you in a prayer to meet him? Could I? It goes like this, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you live for me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today. Welcome home. Before God could ever work with your hands, you gotta give him your heart. Today you did. We are so proud of you. Jesus, thanks for meeting with us this morning. And it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. If you're here today and you 
You said, Mike, that was me. I prayed that prayer with you. That little card, it's in the seat back in front of you. Your host told you about it. You can pull it out, put your name, your uh, email or cell phone number, check the box, I accepted Christ. If you're online, you can write Jesus in the chat area. Your folks will tell you, or you can go to uh, northstarchurch.org slash connect or scan the QR code. Would y'all join me today and welcome all those that prayed this morning and asked Christ in their heart and let them know how proud you are of them. But awesome. Well, last week, we began a journey. We began a journey as a church we haven't been in a long time. And it's a journey of being whatever it takes people. And we talked about the group of people 27 years ago that were in people's houses, in a house, praying that God would send a church and, and God answered their prayers. And we sit because of Mac carriers like them. And we began to tell the story. We are um, we're crowded. And I'm gonna tell you something. It's making it hard for people to get in to find Jesus. I don't have a tree here for them to climb up, right? And they get turned away and it, it's hard. And so if you missed last week without rehashing all of it, we talked about these, these things in our Whatever It Takes campaign that began last Sunday. It'll end February 11th. We talked about we're gonna add space. So in this room that I'm in right now and we're in in, the, in Compass, we're gonna put in a balcony. We're gonna add about, and reorient the room, we're gonna add about 300 seats um, per service, which that, that's awesome. It gets a lot of people in here. But we have no intention, we, we have a feeling that it's gonna fill up immediately, but it is what it is, right? And so, but, but it gets us some immediate seats. Awesome. Two, we're gonna add a lobby. So right back behind me, coming off that parking lot, there'll be a lobby. It'll look like that if you were not here last week. We'll give you all this information here at the end, but there'll be a lobby. So you'll actually walk in the front. That will be the front of the building. It's amazing. It's gonna make sense. It's like, we knew what we were doing. So anyway, so it's gonna be awesome and you'd be a great place to meet people, great place to invite people. But really, the heart of this campaign was building space for our children. We, how many of y'all have a child birth through fifth grade? Raise your hand, all right? Well, this space will be a 10,000 square foot kids building. So while I was announcing it in here, our kids ministry was announcing it up there. I want you to listen to how it went down. It's really good. So the, <laughs> that sounds very dangerous up there. But anyway, so, so the crazy part is the young lady making that announcement was in my youth group when she was in middle school. It was like four years ago. All right, so it's a couple years ago, but Heather has been a precious part of our North Star family for a long time. And all the kids were coming down so excited. In fact, Caitlin was singing last week and hers came down running in the room. They were so excited. We we're like, God, I knew they'd be excited. They were told by one of our famous uh, children's workers up there, I'm gonna name him Jason Keeler, that there would be a Chick-fil-A in there and there would be a water park. And so, anyway, so Chick-fil-A's closed on Sunday, didn't work out. But anyways, it's gonna be awesome. But then this past Tuesday, 
all of our ministries, our high school ministry shared, our middle school ministry shared. And then this past Tuesday, Sellers shared with our 250 plus college wave kids that were here. We didn't know about it. I got an email on uh, Wednesday morning saying, I don't go to North Star, but you, something special happened this last night. So we went back and pulled the clip. Why don't you check this out, would you? We truly believe in the next generation. We truly want you guys to be able to see how God is moving, not just in college students, but in the generations to come. I'm gonna be honest. Sorry, I didn't expect that. <laughs> I look at that space and see my little girl. Man, here at North Star, I've had the honor of being a part of a small group over the past few years. That's been, been my mat carriers when we went through things. And my little girl gets a space with her friends that she can come to know Jesus. <laughs> That's why we want to do whatever it takes. Sorry, this is... Our staff's been wrestling with what our role is in all of this. And the reason I, I tell you guys on a Tuesday night, you're like, dude, what does this have to do with me? I, man, I don't have kids. I'm not having kids anytime soon. Like, I don't care about a lobby. I don't care about a room flipping. There are people who need to meet Jesus. And we're seeing needs and we're seeing God move and we have no place to put them. So what's gonna happen over these next few weeks? We're gonna continue to talk about whatever it takes. We're gonna continue to tell stories of people who got to Jesus no matter what it looked like. And we're gonna ask you guys to play a part. We're gonna ask you to enter into this because we believe that you can impact the next generation. We truly believe that you guys have a role to play. It would be a discredit if I said, look, hey guys, our whole church is doing this thing, but we've got some college students who come on Tuesday night. Man, some of you guys are plugged in at other churches and we love that. We love the, the global church because you've grown up here or whatever reason you're at a different church. But for those of you who are still looking for a home or call North Star home, we can't just sit here and say, no, no this is somebody else's role. Look, I know you guys, you guys, it might be a drop in the bucket for what we're gonna have to begin to raise to build buildings and to create spaces like that. But man, how incredible would it be to push your faith to put a drop in the bucket? Would y'all thank the Lord for that? Wasn't that awesome? It's the heart of a daddy, isn't it? You know, think about this children's space we have currently. Last time we added kid space, was in 2000, 24 years ago. And my kids were his kids' age. It's a long time ago. So we entered a campaign last week saying we're gonna do whatever it takes. And here's, I love Seller's phrase, drop in the bucket, because I think we hear the number 12 million and we go, wow, I mean, I can't touch that. Here's the deal. A college student sacrifice is very different than my sacrifice. It's made very different than your sacrifice. They're given out of their Starbucks check. And they said, I'm gonna give $5 a week for the next three years. And you know what? That's a sacrifice for them. 
Ann and I entered this a few months ago, so we got a head start on you, and we began to pray about what are we gonna do? What does sacrifice look like? Above what I normally give on weekends, what does sacrifice look for me? And we began to pray about, okay, God, and then we came back together and we both brought a number back. And so Ann handles the money in our family and Ann's way tighter than I am. And I remember we sat back together and her number was bigger than mine, which I don't know that what that tells you about your pastor. But anyway, so, but, but it's a sacrifice. So we're doing a weekly commitment over these next three years and then building in some stretching on the back end of that. In fact, we gave Jamie our number and Jamie doesn't think Ann and I are good math, which he's correct. And so he's like, you know that's short. We're like, we know, but we're praying about this bigger piece that we're gonna do. Here's what I know. It's not equal gift, it's the equal sacrifice. And I'm asking you to enter this journey with us. Why? Because if Jesus came to seek and save those that were lost, I think it's our job too. And we gotta create space to get them in these buildings. I believe 25 years from now, people will tell the story of the people that sit in this room. And there'll be a generation that's gonna come to know Jesus because of your faith and your willingness to stretch I'm asking you to be a part, to help us do whatever it takes. Next Sunday is a Sunday. I promise you, you don't want to miss. It's going to be a special one.